when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, doing good, Shane. Savoring this week. We're getting that much closer to these rivalry games, that much closer to Thanksgiving yeah, lunch baby. and dinner. <laughs> I'm going to eat a couple meals that day, Shane. I don't know about you, but I'm just ready for some of these awesome games we got. It's, I mean, if you are like a diehard football fan, in which you have to be if you're listening to an SEC podcast at the end of November, <laughs> this is what this is the season. This is the my favorite time of the year. It's football nonstop on the weekends. It's turkey dinners. It's seeing family. Uh, it's hate week. I mean, goodness, Mike, this is like the Super Bowl for me. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into the action, Shay, we got to touch on these playoff rankings they were just revealed right before we hopped on the show here we won't have to spend a a ton of time on on these because you know we still got a couple more but just think it's noteworthy Shane starting at the top of the list Ohio State has jumped LSU thoughts on that Shane Ohio State beat Penn State I guess that was enough to bump the Buckeyes ahead of uh, LSU LSU down at number two thoughts on that Oh, yeah. Makes sense because they have more top 15 wins than LSU, right? No, they do not. Oh, exactly. It doesn't make sense, Mike. <laughs> Jeez Louise, what world are we living in? LSU is the is right now the hottest, the best team in the nation. And, and what, did, what did you see from Ohio State? Penn State? Mm-hmm. Good grief. Penn State lost to Minnesota, you know? Right, yeah. So I don't know. And the only reason that's huge to me, Shane, Round out the top four here. Clemson remains number three. Georgia remains number four. Obviously, LSU still has to play Georgia. So there's an opportunity for them to jump Ohio State. But I think that's critical. So, you know, we're talking LSU could even lose the SEC championship game and possibly make it into the college football playoff. I still think that remains very much a chance but what you're trying to do is you're trying to avoid Ohio State or Clemson in the semifinals of the college football playoff because it certainly looks like those three have separated themselves. So the seeding this year, unlike other years, could be very important. That's something to monitor moving forward. Alabama remains number five. Utah, number six. That's the same as last week. And then uh, their big change here, number seven, Oklahoma jumped up two spots. So that's where the top seven is. And then the last two teams in the SEC ranked 
Florida, number 11. Seems like they're damn stuck at 11 for some reason. <laughs> no luck. Auburn, number 15. So I'm trying to. I'm still struggling, Shane, to figure out why Florida is not in the top 10 considering they lost to number 2, lost to number 4. Both those games very close. I don't know. It's, it seems like a little bit of a bias here against the Gators for some reason. <sighs> it, 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 that's frustrating. Absolutely frustrating because I, I think Florida's playing better than they have all year. And the fact that they're not moving up, it just it, it blows my mind. Some of these teams stinking up right now. I mean, nothing against Utah, man. I, I know we had our boy on and, and he talked him up getting into the playoffs. But mm-hmm. if you were to put Utah and Florida on a neutral field right now, Florida would mop them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, without a doubt, all the Gators are getting healthy at the right time. They're, you know, firing all cylinders on offense. So I don't know. I'm just continuing to shake my head at that one. All right, Shane. So that's all I got uh, on the playoff rankings. You ready to go around the league? Heck yeah. Hey, between you and me, uh-huh. I hate Ohio State. All right, go ahead. <laughs> now let's go now around let's the go league. Around. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, so the big news in the SEC on Tuesday, we've got to start with a little bit of a downer here. Mm. The NCAA has announced their decision. Missouri's bowl ban remains. The appeal has failed. And, you know, both of our thoughts, we've been out there talking about this before. I think there's a really bad look for the NCAA. Uh, again, none of the players, none of the coaches, none of the trainers, nobody involved with the program at this moment did anything wrong. This was, you know, years ago, different players and everything, and they worked with the NCAA to investigate this, and here's their punishment. No postseason uh, recruiting restrictions, all that. They're, I mean, they didn't get anything overturned. So, I mean, how difficult is it going to be now for Missouri? Final game. We kind of hit on in the last episode, Barry Odom. You know, struggling right there in Columbia. His his job may be on the line. Seems like as soon as we did our podcast on that, everybody in the damn world was reporting that. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but, you know, looking ahead to this Arkansas game, Shane, I know it's been a bad year for Missouri, but this is, I mean, this was the final, I don't know if you want to say carrot in front of their face, but, you know, they had one thing left to play for, one thing left to show up, get motivated for, to go on the road and beat Arkansas, get to a postseason game, and then right before it, I mean, NCA just continues to just it's like sticking a damn knife in their back, letting them know, mm-hmm. hell, even if you win, you're not you're not going anywhere. Yeah, right here before the holidays, Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That just shows you kicking them while they're down. NCAA has no heart, and and it's it's not just. 
it's not just this situation. It's it's some of this transfer portal stuff. I mean, it's it's it, one thing after another. The NCAA is just it, it gets worse and worse every year. It feels like, and uh, this this is you know I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you, and we're about to play this clip here. I, I think you know the the penalty was too harsh up there, and uh, you, and you hate it because it's not hurting the university i mean it's it's hurting their pocketbook a little bit but it is going to cost them about eight million shane because they now that this bowl ban's in effect they do not get uh, the way it works in the sec shane every team that goes to the bowl games what happens is they if alabama's going to the playoff or whatever and then you got you know someone like mississippi state going to the birmingham bowl i know those are different bowl games and the payouts are different but the way the sec works it they collect all the money from all the schools to make these bowls, and then they cut it up 14 ways. And oh, shit. Is that true? Yeah, that's the way it works. So, and, But because of this postseason ban, that's a, this is a new thing in the SEC. They instituted after that Hugh Freeze deal at Ole Miss. If you get banned from the postseason, they cut your check right out, and they split it 13 <laughs> ways. So I think Missouri's going to come out about $9 million out Thanks to this, so I mean it's, you know they're they're big time no, big time no. SEC football. It, it nine million is not going to you know make or break their budget by any means. I don't think that's the biggest deal, but uh, but it but it is a deal when you're, I don't know it, on top of everything else. It's like a final insult. Well, no wonder he's crying, Mike. You know, nine million dollars <laughs> not coming home. I'd be a little upset myself. You know, I, I just. I, I had no clue. So let me let me just because I'm new to this apparently. So if you don't even make a bowl game, you still get part of the proceeds of postseason play. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's uh, part of the benefit of being in the SEC. Golly, Mike, nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one did hurt. That one did sting a little <laughs> bit. But I, I, I back back to what I'm saying though. I mean, it just it sucks for the seniors because. You know, this is it, man. Arkansas, after this one, they're done. And, uh, you know, they're being punished for something they didn't even do, you know. Well, that's something that the uh, AD Jim Sturrock kind of got emotional about here. They held a press conference on Tuesday to discuss it. And, you know, there's not a whole lot to be said, but uh, just wanted to play this clip because it's pretty clear how emotional this was for even the leadership there at Missouri. It's not relief of moving on it's it's really this is a really hurtful um, decision that that's a that's a blow um, because it impacts so many student athletes it's it's really when 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 our coaches excuse me when our coaches are talking to kids that that have eligibility left that their senior year and they can't go to postseason play it's really really difficult now this isn't that like the regular SEC money, right? That they get every single year. Is this what what this where this money's coming from? Like the SEC channel. You <laughs> no, know what I'm saying? Well, that's different. Now they all split that too. How much is that? They each get about forty five million. Fifty four million dollars. We can't fire a coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, do you? how stupid that is i know it's ridiculous isn't it Jeez. okay all right shane so you kind of hear the pain in his voice there like he said these are seniors now this is going to be their last game so it's going to be very interesting now to see how motivated they are 
you know, is it this is basically their bowl game, or it's basically like everything was pulled out in front of them. I mean, I could see it either way. I could see, you know, and I wouldn't blame them for this. They have just no heart for this Arkansas game. I mean, who in the hell can get up for this game potentially? I mean, this is outside of playing Vanderbilt. This is as low as it gets. Mm-hmm. Or they could rally behind it. I don't know. I just it just seems like where Missouri's at right now. I just I don't expect them to put up much of a fight here on Friday. What if Mike? What if Missouri did go undefeated? You know, and they're fa- and we're talking about them in the SEC championship with LSU. Do you think the NCAA would have been forced to upheld uphold the appeal? Hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm just I, maybe. I, I mean, we don't know the the specifics of it or anything like that. But it just, I don't know, man. It just feels like here we are at the end of the season. You know, this is uh, Missouri. I, maybe they're not fighting it near as much, and NCAA just said, "Well, hell, let's just let's just roll with it." Let's, you know. They're not trying to set an example. This was a felt like a news dump right here before the holidays. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I think Missouri's at an all time low right now. I, I think the fan base is down. I think the players are down. And like you said, that that last carrot of making postseason play is gone now. So well, what is there to play for? You know, unless you rally for your seniors. But I don't know if that's going to be the case here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm very interested to see how this one plays out. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to old Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Nick Saban met with the media. This was back on Monday, but we were still waiting for Gus Malzahn to meet with the media here on Tuesday. And, of course, we got uh, the latest edition of the Iron Bowl, Shane. And this is the first Iron Bowl, I believe, since about, I want to say the 2011 season, Shane, where the winner is not going to go to the SEC championship. Of course, Alabama still got national championship hopes. They're going to need some help, but obviously got to win this one and probably got to win it in an impressive fashion. Thoughts on this game, Shane, because, of course, you know, Mac Jones, he's got he's got his feet wet here. He's got a couple starts under his belt, but at home against Arkansas, against Western Carolina, how much can you take from those games? Now he's going on the road. Uh, that's kind of the big story mark for Alabama in this matchup. Uh, thoughts on what we're going to see from Alabama's offense and their, you know, their quarterback that's never made a road start. I think we're going to see a different Alabama, man. I think we're going to see uh, a 2015 Alabama. You know, it's just what I'm thinking. I think we're going to rely a little bit more on the running game, a little bit on the clock management, and. I think we're going to get a little bit more of a slower tempo. Now, these guys got a lot of weapons, but I don't think he wants Mac Jones to make any irrational decisions in here and and Jordan Hare because you do that, this defense will will destroy you. So this is a tough squad. Uh, I think we're going to see sound fundamental play from Nick Saban, but you know, he's he's a, one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach for a reason. So I'm sure he'll have some – Something up his sleeve, but I think we're going to see a little bit more of a conservative game here. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen a lot of people, obviously, we just hit on it there on the, the quarterback battle here. Mac Jones, Bo Nix, and, you know, who's going to win that matchup? Is it going to decide this game? I would argue that it likely won't. I think it's going to come down to two factors, Shane. The offensive line that has a better day, that sets the tone. Auburn's offensive line 
you know, say what you want about Bo Nix. It's been the offensive line's struggles, particularly in the running game, that has really killed Auburn against these elite defenses. They've not been able to, you know, help in the running game much, and I think it's really stunted Auburn's offense here. And I know we've been kind of, I don't want to say bashing Alabama's defense because it's not like we're sitting here bashing them, but it's just not been the same unit this year. But I think here recently, outside of this LSU game, I mean, it, it seems like they're almost rounding into form. So it's, I think the key matchup, Alabama's defense against Auburn's offense, which one has a better performance on Saturday is probably going to win the day. Uh, thoughts on, uh, you know, these offensive lines. I think Auburn, I think, is at a disadvantage when you're talking the offensive lines in this matchup. So that's going to be critical because Alabama's got a good offensive line. It may not be as good as Alabama's defensive line, but that I think this game is going to come down to the trenches, whereas, you know, everyone wants to talk about these quarterbacks, but... I think it's going to be more about the line of scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe more of the running game uh, when you're talking about that. I think if if Auburn's able to run the ball, that's when they've played their their best. So I, I think that's something you got to keep an eye on as well. But yeah, this uh, Alabama's going to have their hands full with these two up front, and uh, and if I mean we saw small doses of 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 Mac with. I don't know. If you look at Tennessee, there was a couple times he was on his back. You know what I'm saying? So what what is Auburn going to do? That's the only test he's ever really had was against Tennessee. So he's going to be in a loud environment. It's almost like a freshman quarterback. And I know he's had some experience, but, you know, there's a, there's a big difference in uh, what you played last week and what you got this week. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Nick Saban, Shane, who talked about Mac Jones and everything that goes into you know, being a first-time road starter and the trust factor there that Alabama has in them. On Auburn's uh, sugar huddles, I thought this was an interesting comment. For anyone that doesn't know what that means is, you know, you watch Auburn, they they like to do this where they kind of huddle. It's kind of like a half huddle. And then they instantly break and they just snap the ball within a couple seconds. So Nick Saban talks about, uh, you know, the work that goes into defending that on Auburn's outstanding defensive line. And then finally here on Najee Harris and Alabama's improved rushing attack. Hi, Coach. Good afternoon. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Uh, I'm here to do a story on Mac Jones. And I would love to have your perspective on, like, why is he built for this moment and this opportunity? Well, I, I think that, you know, we have a lot of confidence in Mac. He's played well when he's had the opportunity to play. And uh, I think the team has confidence in him. Um, this is going to be, you know, the first game he has to play on the road. So it'll be a little different, you know, from that standpoint for him in terms of game management, the things that he has to do to uh, be effective against a very good team. But we have every confidence that, you know, he'll be able to manage the game well and um, do what we need to do to be able to get the ball to the skilled players that we have and create balance in the offense. So I think he's confident. Um, because he's got some playing experience now, and we certainly have confidence in him. You know, you have to accept the responsibility and the role. You have to be confident in your ability in that role, and your body language has to, you know, sort of express that to the players that you're playing against with. Um, so, uh, I think all three of those things are probably critical factors in being able to do that. Positive body language is really important. Uh, everybody's striving to be perfect. Nobody really can be. Somewhere along the line, you want to hit on exceptional. Um, and 
that, that that's kind of what we try to get our players to do. But when it doesn't go the way you'd like for it to go, uh, we got to focus on the next play. We got to learn from that play, and I think that's really important for the quarterback not to get, you know, at all frustrated about the circumstance and continue to focus on the next play. And his teammates need to see that and have confidence in that ability, confidence in his ability to do that as well. Auburn likes to run those the sugar huddles, the quick huddles. How do you prepare a team for that, and, and what do you tell the guys to look for? Well, I, I think you have to, you know, practice it obviously in practice, and you know, most of the time, um, you know, when they do that, they they have, you know, a particular different look that they want to give you that requires some form of adjustment. Uh, I think the players, you know, all have to stand in the sugar huddle on defense and definitely see how the players come out of the huddle. You know, a lot of times they'll be tackle over on balance or some unusual type formation, uh, and then they want to quick snap the ball so you have a minimal amount of time to, you know, get ready for it. So I think the only way you can prepare for it is do it in practice so the players can anticipate to some degree what they might see, uh, and that's, that's what we'll need to do this week. You already mentioned their defensive linemen, but is, is this the best defensive line you've faced so far this year? And if so, what, what stands out most about them? Well, I don't think there's any question about it. I think these two guys are really hard to block. I think their whole front seven is really hard to block. Uh, they're very physical. They play tough. They play together. They're well coached. Kevin Steele does a great job you know, with them. Um, so they're tied together well. So you know, you're going to have to finish blocks. And um, we're going to have to play well together as a team to get a hat on a hat. and. Um, you know, same thing in the in the, the pass game. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a run or a pass. Those guys are pretty dominant players. So, um, th this this is the most challenging front uh, that we played this year. Kind of a follow up on that. You, you've had some pretty dominant defensive tackles, defensive linemen here. What stands out about Derek Brown and and how much of an impact? I mean, Florida game comes to mind that he's really had a huge impact on some of these games. Well, he's had a huge impact on just about every game, in my opinion. Um, you know, we've always thought a lot of him as a player and had a tremendous amount of respect for him. But, um, you know, he's got great initial quickness. He plays with a lot of power. He uses his hand as well. He can disengage from blockers very quickly. He can push the pocket, you know, really well with power rush. So uh, he's a pretty complete player and uh, as good a player as we played against for a while around here as an inside player. Um, how has your running game improved over the last four or five games? And, and how do you run against a team that, that you don't necessarily see them bring the safeties up as much as some do. Well, uh, you, you know, I, I think that, A, I thought we were making a lot of progress in how we ran the ball. Uh, I thought last week we had uh, some issues and problems in blocking movements up front. Uh, they gave us some negative plays with some stunts and movements and things like that, which we definitely need to get corrected. Uh, but look, you know, we run the offense that we run. Uh, if they put extra guys in the box, which they do sometimes, um, you know, we either have to account for them or we have to throw the ball. And if they play split safeties, we got to be good enough to be able to finish blocks and um, be able to make it make positive running plays, whether they're direct runs or perimeter runs. So, um, uh, I mean, they got good players. That's why they have a good defense. They've got a sound scheme uh, in terms of how they execute it and how they play it. And when you play teams like that, the number one thing you have to do is execute yourself. So that's going to be the key for us. All right, Shane. So thoughts on what uh, Nick Saban had to say here? And, you know, it, it, was, <laughs> it is interesting. He did note, you know, he said Auburn may be the best team we played this year. 
and there's been some you know some talk about what does that mean is is that a you know is he saying something bad about LSU oh my god but the truth of the matter is much like Kirby I mean he's going to say every damn team they're facing is the best they got to they got to face but <laughs> the reality is uh, this is going to be the best defensive front that Alabama sees all season don't you think yeah, it's pr- probably the best defensive front they've seen since the last time they played them. So mm-hmm. that that's the one thing about these two. These this this isn't their first ball game, man. This ain't the first rodeo. These these cats know each other, and um, you know he he knows exactly what Auburn's front's like and what it's about, and the you know how aggressive they're going to be. So that's why I I I think this is going to come down. You know, you said trenches. I think it's going to come down to coaching. I think it's going to – who has the better game plan here? Is, is Does Gus – does he go off script a little bit? Does does Saban get a little too conservative? I think it's going to come down to uh, the head ball coaches here, man. And last thing I wanted to ask you on Alabama, Shane. So, obviously, you know, we hit on the college football playoff rankings there. I think there's going to be pressure on Alabama to look very impressive on Saturday. And is that dangerous when, you know, you don't want to have the mindset going into a game like this that, hey, we got to we got blow this team out when there's no guarantee you're going to win this damn game. I mean, going to Jordan-Hare against this defense, I mean, you're going to be lucky to come out of there with a win. But is there any added pressure to, to try to make it look as impressive as possible? Maybe you force things a little bit. Any concern uh-huh. there? Yeah, a lot, man. I mean – this is it's kind of similar to what we were talking about yesterday with Coach O all fired up about Texas A&M. It's just like if if you get away from fundamental ball, sometimes, you know, if you're playing with emotion and you forget what you're supposed to be doing, next thing you know, you, you're, you're giving up a big play, uh, trying to make an aggressive tackle, you know, or uh, like you said, there's maybe there's maybe they overthrow it. Be, or maybe throw an interception because they they got to make this score. Uh, you know, I I think there's a lot of pressure and a lot of pressure that is going to come on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, who I don't know, it may come down who makes the bigger mistakes here. But um, I think you got to get back to fundamentals. Just, you know, I try to keep emotions out of it the best you can and, and you'll be fine. But it's it's so hard to do with the Iron Bowl, man, because these guys hate each other. So let's kick it down to Auburn, Shane. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn, like I said, met with the media here on Tuesday. Things have obviously gotten a little hairy here for Gus Malzahn. I still don't think that, uh, you know, Auburn's ready to, you know, fire him or anything if they lose this game. But you never know on the plane, Shane, especially if it gets ugly somehow. It's yeah. it's hard to imagine them getting blown out with this defense, but anything's possible. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, Auburn's struggles this season. I don't want to I don't know if you want to necessarily say it's the play calling, but he's the offensive play caller, he's the offensive coordinator. He did that to himself, so people are expecting results. And kind of like I hinted at their offensive line against some of these better teams just not ready to get it done. Bo Nix not ready not really managing to get it done against these elite defenses. I think that's a little bit to be expected, though. true freshman. But, I mean, this is a game where Bo Nix can kind of, you know, right start the, the biggest page of his legacy year one. Imagine going into your first Iron Bowl, ending Alabama's playoff streak, 
you know, getting the heat off Gus Malzahn. How much pressure is on Auburn to have a nice day here? You know, they're not going to win a damn game against Alabama scoring, you know, 14 points. I don't care if Mac Jones is the quarterback. They got too many weapons. You know Alabama's going to score. How much pressure is on Auburn to, you know, really be productive against a defense that, uh, hell, they gave up over 40 to LSU. So you got to think that, uh, you know, Auburn's going to have some success, but it's only going to come if they perform at a high level. I think there's pressure. I, I do think, obviously, there's pressure on Auburn, but I think there's more pressure on Bama. Um, something that you hit on, you know, trying to try to get this fifth spot. You know, they want to make it in the playoffs, so they they've got to win this game, and they got to. I think, like you said, they've not just squeaked by. They they've got to destroy Auburn. And um, how how much does that affect just the whole team in general? Just how they come out. I think there's more pressure on Alabama than there is Auburn. Don't get me wrong, though. If Auburn loses this thing, and like you said, if it was an ugly loss, you know, then maybe Malzahn's seat does fire up. Um, but these guys know what what's up. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times – I don't know how many other ways I could say <laughs> this, you know. It's just – it's going to be a hell of a game, Mike. And honestly, I don't know what to expect from Alabama – but equally, I don't know what what to expect from Gus. Is I think Gus dials up some stuff here. I think he he gets creative uh, with the offense. But I think the defense is going to do whatever it takes to keep him in this ball game, and uh, that's going to take making Mac Jones uh, uncomfortable, man. Applying pressure, forcing, loading the box, making him make those plays. So um, Auburn's fully capable uh, of making this ball game, even winning this game. So uh, I think the pressure is more on Alabama than it is Auburn. Uh, I mean, the fact that they could just miss the playoffs altogether. I mean, that's it's crazy to say, but that that would upset a lot of Alabama fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Gus Malzahn, Shame, who spoke on uh, the. He was asked to evaluate himself as the play caller on getting the most out of that offense, kind of what we hit on there. I really like this comment here on Derek Brown and if he should be a Heisman contender. And then finally on preventing the big play because, you know, that's what Alabama does well. We know two is out, but, you know, how many times this year have we seen Alabama just take a slant pass or what have you and it goes 50, 60 yards because these receivers can do that on basically every play. Yeah. Almost the end of the road here with your season back as play caller. How do you think you've done? How's that gone? Yeah, we've uh, at times we've uh, played good football. At times, like I said, we've come up a little short, and uh, you know, feel good about going into this one. Um, we need to play well on offense. We know that, and uh, really looking forward to uh, to getting out there with a bunch. You know, I mean, I, I said that you usually don't have defensive guys, but if you just look at who the best players are, he needs to be in that conversation. So I don't care if it's a kicker or a defensive player or an offensive player; he's dominant. And uh, he's a game-changing type type player, and so that's the reason I just wanted to mention that. But yeah, I knew the I knew the fact that that doesn't happen much. Well, it, it's about execution in the moment, 
that's kind of what the question Brandon asked. I mean, you've got to execute in the moment, and how you do that, you do on the practice field, and just keep repping, and you know, get more confidence, and you get more confidence by reps in practice. That's that's when you get better, and that's what we've constantly tried to do. And a lot of things carry over. Um, you know, even though you may have not called something or only called something once in practice reps, you know, you want to make sure and, and call the things that um, your your players feel co- comfortable with that they've repped in practice time and time again uh, and been successful. And so, you know, that's that's part of it. And, uh, you know, we'll need to hit those when we have those opportunities uh, and score touchdowns. You said Alabama's got 19 plays at 40 or more yards. They've yeah. only given up two. Yeah. How, how tough is that? Yeah, I think you just said it. I mean, you know, they're the most explosive or one of the most explosive offenses in the entire country. They've given up very few. And I think the back-end guys um, have a lot to, to, to say for that. I mean, they've done a good job in their one-on-one uh, opportunities, and uh, they've not given up that many. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like Iron Bowl's different. Uh, it was, you know, when I first got here, everybody would talk about it. About how special it was, and you go, okay, yeah, but you got to experience it. It's one of those things that all you got to do is experience it one time, you know, whether you're a coach, player, or fan, and it's different. And, um, you know, it's real special. And, um, you know, I feel blessed. Uh, this will be my 10th tenth, tenth one. All right, Shane. So, you know, I really wanted to get to this clip here of Derek Brown because, you know, how often do we have. You know, I got a lot of respect for the Heisman Trophy, but it's really just turned into, you know, the best, not even necessarily the best quarterback, but it's usually the quarterback on the team that's undefeated or occasionally mm-hmm. a running back on that team, what have you. But rarely does it go or any consideration to a lineman, particularly not one that's, uh, you know, not on a undefeated team. But, you know, that that's the beauty of football. It's not an individual sport. It's a team game. So, you could have the best player in the nation be an interior defensive lineman. That doesn't mean you're going to go undefeated. So, you know, Gus, in Gus Malzahn's mind, Derek Brown, the, the best player in the nation, he deserves some Heisman hype. I, for one, would love to see it. How about you, Shane? Dude, just turn on the highlight reel there at Florida. I'm telling you, I mean, that that kid, I mean, he took over. Even though they lost that game, he was the reason that they stayed in it. Uh, it's like he was just a, a one-man wrecking crew there for a minute. I love the fact that 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 he's getting some Heisman love. I haven't seen – I mean, there's there's been a few uh, – you know, I've seen offensive linemen before. Remember Orlando Pace was, mm-hmm. was one that was in, in running uh, uh, Sue. I, I think the Dominic Sue sh- probably should have won the damn thing if, you're, if I was being honest because he's th- – these two are very similar. They're just able to take over a game up front. And, you you know, I love these little clips that uh, Cole Kubler uh, puts out. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, because you don't see it if you're if you're not a lineman and, and you're so used to watching the, the the quarterback and the receivers and the running back and the skill players. Sometimes it's if you slow down the game and you watch the trenches, you miss probably the biggest talent on the team. All right, Shane. Final thing on this one, I want to just want to get to these clips here before we moved on. I just thought these were some good comments here from old Gus, but he was asked about his favorite Iron Bowl. And it may not be the one you're thinking. I think a lot of people would immediately go to the kick six. It's not necessarily the case. And then, uh, last but not least, he was asked if he believed in the football gods. Believe in a football god. 
I believe in God. I don't believe in a football guy. No. No, I've never been asked that one. Uh, and any time you lose to him, it, it doesn't feel good. Um, but which one would you say was my favorite? Uh, I would say the kick six. 2010 was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's yep. your favorite over the kick six. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you like it better than the kick six. I like both of them. Was it a throwback? Hmm? Was it a throwback? Is that your favorite call? The throwback? Yeah. Which one? To Lutz Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, that, that was, uh, that was uh, Coach Chiswick's favorite play. So we called it for him, and it worked. Was it 55? That's really nice of you to say. Yeah. You could have taken all the credit for that. No, no, he, he, that, that was his play. Was it 55-45 loss? I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one at all. <laughs> all right, anything else? All right, thanks, guys. All right, Shane, so how surprised were you in both of these things? It seems like Auburn, <laughs> seems like they get a lot of luck sometimes. Someone someone up there likes them. And then uh, favorite Iron Bowl, Shane, 2010, a little bit better than uh, the kick six game. Everybody remembers the kick six, but – uh, th- thoughts on that? It's hard not to go with the kick six, you know. <laughs> I, I just think that that game was, I mean, it was fantastic. You know, it's just, I mean, just everything. I, I they still replay it like crazy. You know, right. I could put it on uh, the SEC podcast right now and it still get five hundred retweets. You know, it's just, it's ingrained in everybody's uh, in everybody's memory. So that's by far my favorite. What's your favorite Iron Bowl? Hmm. I think it's got to be the kick six, Shane. I mean, there's there's just no way to top that one. I mean, I can literally tell you where I was and who I was watching it with, and I mean, it was it's just like ingrained in my memory. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one that you'll never forget about. It's one you'll tell your grandkids about. Uh, I'm just I'm just glad technology's advanced so that we can capture all these replays. All right, Shane, let's uh, kick it down to old Rocky Top. Jeremy Pruitt, you know, opened things up here all Monday talking about the Vanderbilt game and, you know, the Commodores, Shane, I know they're a 20-point underdog, but, hell, they won three in a row. I don't think uh, the very few players on this Tennessee roster that have ever experienced a win over Vanderbilt, I don't know how much that matters this week, but something to consider going into this one. And, you know, obviously you can't put that all on Jeremy Pruitt, even though his team lost only one of those games i mean that was a bad loss all this goodwill i mean hell you got people out here saying jeremy pruitt sec coach of the year runner up potentially how much of that goodwill that he's all built up it's all you're on cloud nine you've been happy all damn week it's 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 frankly disgusting shane but what (laughs) happens with all that goodwill if somehow tennessee loses to vanderbilt once again how much pressure is on Jeremy Pruitt and company to get this win on Saturday? Oh, there's no pressure here, Mike. I mean, come on. What, what are we talking? I, I think the pressure is on the middle of this state, and that's with Coach Mason. I think – I don't know, man. You want to talk about an emotional team? These guys are fired up. And part of me worries, you know, about – because we just harped on fundamental play. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that worries for Vanderbilt because – Tennessee hates Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt hates Tennessee. I mean, of course, that's the theme of this week, but, oh, man, I don't know. With the the 
trajectory of both of these teams, I worry for Vanderbilt because Tennessee's going to be bringing it. So I don't think there's pressure on Pruitt. But and I just don't think that there's going to be because I don't think it's going to be a close game. But if it was and if, if Pruitt lost this thing, then, yeah. I mean, you talk about even though we made a bowl game, ending the season on with a sour taste in your mouth, nobody's going to think about the, all the games you just won. They're going to think about the game you just lost. Mm-hmm. And imagine Tennessee wins the bowl game too, Shane. I mean, there's how many damn times I can just see Vol Twitter now. They're just going to be tweeting about this winning streak. I mean, it's going to be one of the highest in the nation. Oh, yeah. But it's got to start here. With this, They've got to take care of business. Got to end this ugly streak. Mm-hmm. You know, there's much bigger aspirations on Rocky Top. They want to compete for the SEC. But it's got to start. And, hell, they've already really taken that first couple steps. But it's got to start by climbing over the bottom of the SEC East. And you can't say you're really doing that if you're losing a damn Vanderbilt, particularly this <laughs> particularly this Vanderbilt. So I, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but, I mean, there's going to be – hell, they lost to Georgia State, you know. So yeah. I'm saying it's – I'm just saying it's possible. It's a possibility oh, there. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Of course it's possible, you know what I'm saying. And closing out this game and, I don't know, maybe getting lucky and drawing Memphis in a bowl game. I mean, that's <laughs> what you want to do. You just want to own this damn state. So uh, – We'll see what happens, but uh, um, let me ask you on bowl, uh, bowl projection: Is there a place where you can track some down these? Because I've I've gone to a few and it's it's not been pleasant. Is there a site that you can go to to see bowl projections where it's not so garbaged up? Mm. Well, not that I really know of, Shane, because the bowls are such a weird thing, and the truth of the matter is, particularly with the SEC. You don't know how many teams from the SEC are going to go to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And once we know that, we will have a better idea. But if it's two, if it's three, if it's one, I mean, that completely changes the SEC's outlook on the bowls because, okay. because it's like a domino effect. Now, I do have uh, the SEC league office. They've they have sent out a uh, like a graphic. I'll, I'll put it on the Reddit page for the listeners. But okay. it basically breaks down, you know, the bowl selection process for the SEC. Who gets the first picks of what teams? And but until we know the college football playoff, who's coming from the SEC, who's going to go to the New York uh, New Year Six? It's really hard to accurately project what schools are going to go to what bowl games. Okay. All right, man. Good to know. Let's uh, kick it down to Jeremy Pruitt here, Shane, on uh, his Tennessee team learning how to win. That's obviously something that uh, has changed there on Rocky Top. This, I mean, several of these games, Missouri game, the Kentucky game, South Carolina game. I mean, in years past, this Tennessee program is not winning these games. So they've, they've learned, they've taken that first step on how much uh, these seniors mean to Jeremy Pruitt and mean to this program. You know, there's not that many of them, but the ones they do have are some really key pieces here in Knoxville. These guys are going to be missed. I'm just hoping that uh, there's a good crowd here on Saturday to support these guys. Coach, your team that you mentioned found a way. What's been the key to for this team to learn how to win? You, you put a game away against Mississippi State, running the football. you got to stop at Kentucky. You, know, you made a couple plays to, to put the game away Saturday night. What, what's been the key for this team to learn how to win? 
you know, I think it's uh, it's important. You you talk about the Mississippi State. You talk about uh, Kentucky uh, this past week um, against Missouri. That's three games there that. You know, the game was probably decided on the last drive uh, with both groups, offense and defense. Um, you know, it, it <clears throat> and probably all three games, uh, there was points in the game that we've could've, we could have played better. Uh, but when it mattered the most, uh, we played at our best. You know, and the fact that you can take the football and, and run the game out says a lot about our offense, uh, getting stops on defense. So... Uh, I think it just shows um, the will of this team, um, you know, the character, the, the, the fight, the resiliency to, um, to find a way. And, and sometimes uh, when you're not at your best, uh, if you're going to win football games, you've got to kind of will yourself to it, and I think our guys have done that. Coach, you talked about the other night just how much you enjoy being around this team. I know each team is different, but it seems like this team has gotten closer over the course of the year. What, what's been the difference, and, and you know, what do you like about, the, especially this core group of seniors that will run through? I know it's a small number, but it's a number of quality guys. You know, um, our, our, our team likes each other, which is important. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, the guys on our team are, are um, very unselfish. You know, uh, they put the team first. You know, it's um, when things – it's easy to, you know, to be positive and be motivated when things are going really well. Uh, you know, you find out your true character when it's not going well. And, you know, that's something that we had to do this year. And I think it starts, uh, starts with our assistant coaches, our, our senior leadership, and kind of trickled on down, you know. So, um, you know, right now – you know, I, the the kind of the the mood in the locker room has has is really really good. I mean, it, it's it's kind of been that way all year. You know, um, when you start out one and four like we did, um, the big thing is is why. You know, and it really came down to turnovers and execution, and that was something that we could control. And our kids have worked hard to fix it. Coach, I know it's it's about the now and it's about this game, but when you have time to reflect, what will this senior class that you've known for two years mean to you? No, it's, it's, um, it's something that, that I'm really proud of for these guys. I'm proud of these guys. I'm excited for them. Um, it's been great to get to know them. You know, I knew Nigel Warrior, you know, uh, from the recruiting process. I didn't know Daniel Batuli. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know uh, Daryl Taylor. Um, Don Woods Anderson, I had met some in recruiting there, you know. So, um, Juwan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, I knew Marquez a little bit from the recruiting, but um, just being around them the last two years to to really uh, get to know who they really are uh, and how much pride that they have in the University of Tennessee, um, you know, and, and see them fight and try to finish something that they started uh, says a whole lot about them. These guys are going to have tons of success uh, beyond the university. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really what college football is all about, how these guys represent the university. You know, I'm, I'm learning how to win again, Mike. You know, I'm 2-0 and on my locks. It's feeling pretty good. You know, <laughs> things are changing. Went to Taco Bell today, and they said, hey, we messed up on, on like, this taco I got. And mm -hmm. they said, you know what? We threw in an extra. And I was like, is this what winning's like? <laughs> this is winning? I love it, Mike. 
Well, aside from your taco winning, Shane, uh, thoughts on what Jeremy Pruitt had to say. And, you know, it's not to discount the seniors he had last year, but obviously he knows this group a lot better. He spent more time with them. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, when we look back, I mean, this is going to be, you know, if you want to call it the foundation class for all the success that's going to come to Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. A lot of it's going to come because these guys right here bought into the program and really, you know, played some of their best football of their entire careers uh, thanks to Jeremy Pruitt and, and his coaching staff. Dude, it's a small senior class, and but it's it's a very vocal one. It's it's true leaders, man, and like you said, created the foundation, turned the page of this, and you fe- you felt the growth of this university through the year. Uh, to go from Georgia State to where we are at right now is just, man, it's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's just an unbelievable turnaround. And that all starts with the upperclassmen here. So, and, and you could feel it when Coach is talking. You know, this, he didn't know all these guys. He knew, he knew them a, a, a little bit, maybe in recruiting process, but. You know, these kids have been around him for two years now, and they've grown on him. And you could tell that he's kind of took him into his fold. So, uh, I, I this is a this is a uh, this is a big class for him. He needed them to buy in to make these younger kids push harder, and that's what we've seen this season. Well, speaking of the senior class, Shane, Tennessee got uh, you know some uh, good news here on Tuesday because the team starting center Brandon Kennedy. Of course, the uh, transfer there from Alabama, who missed most of last season, says he is not going to run the t- through the tee with the rest of the seniors on Saturday because he is going to apply f- to come back for a sixth season. So it looks like Tennessee's Love. getting their anchor. He's playing the best football of his career, too. So, uh, I mean, that's a big boost to get your center back, your anchor of your offensive line. That Absolutely. could be huge for Tennessee next season. Yeah. Do you think Trey comes back? I mean, I haven't heard any rumblings that Trey's considered going to the NFL. So, I mean, you you talk about an anchored front. You get him and those tackles back. I mean, Tennessee went from from a, a young, fresh line to to maybe one of the one of the better offensive lines next year, if that's the case. Yeah, particularly the way Trey Smith is playing. So, you know, he is going to be yeah. the big question mark. Obviously, he's got NFL talent. He's got NFL aspirations. We'll have to see, you know, what those people think of his medicals. And, uh, you know, I certainly, I think a lot of people think it's a foregone conclusion that Trey Smith is going to go. I'm not necessarily in that camp, Shane. I think think being a part of this program, you know, being with this coaching staff, being part of a winner, I think that's something that means a lot more to Trey Smith than it does to most players. So, uh, I could certainly see him coming back, like you said, anchoring that offensive line and and maybe leaving Tennessee as an even, you know, I know they're going to have a winning record this year, but uh, who knows? They could be a lot better next season. It's funny you say that because that's when I think of Trey, that's what I think of. You know, it feels like he does put the university and, and, these pl- and his teammates in front of him. You know, of course, you know, there's millions of dollars on the line, Mike, you know, and there's all these, these guys going to tell him that, you know, one mistake and he could uh, he could fall in the draft spot. But I don't know. I, we're just going to have to see what happens there. All right, Shane, staying in the state, let's jump on down to Nashville. Take it down. Where Derek Mason met with the media here on Tuesday to preview this matchup. And 
course, like I said, he's got uh, hell. He's got a winning record in this series. <laughs> he doesn't have a winning record against uh, any other SEC teams, I don't believe. So, you know, he's doing well there, Derek Mason. That's <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> but literally that's about the only good thing you can say about him. Um, I mean, his his SEC record's pretty poor. His team's been god awful this year. I mean, do they get any boost knowing that uh, that they can compete with these guys? Hell, I mean, like you know, it's the it's the inverse of Tennessee, Shane. These seniors on Vanderbilt had never even lost to Tennessee. So, I mean, how much confidence does that give them going into this game? Where I don't know. I just don't think Vanderbilt's going to be very intimidated by Tennessee this weekend. I don't know. I mean, they they looked a lot better last week. I know that was ETSU, but. It, it felt like there was a little juice on the sideline, you know what I'm saying? Because that's one thing I was worried about Vanderbilt was just the locker room dividing and players just kind of doing their own thing. And and if you get anything like that, then then this there's no way this could be a ball game. But I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I saw a little pep in the step on the sideline, and I you know I saw them rally around each other. So there may be a little fire this weekend because. Like I said, don't think just Tennessee hates Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt hates Tennessee. So mm-hmm. uh, if they're going to bring their A game, it's going to be this week. So let's kick it over to Coach Mason Shane, who talks about his history in this game, on his ability to essentially turn the tide in this series during his time there at Vanderbilt. And then finally on why he plays Rocky Top all week during practice of Tennessee week. Derek, in this game past years, um your teams have seemed like they've had a belief, a confidence they were going to win this game. Do you get a sense of that before that game happens in, in the past? Or are you curious to see if this kind of team has that confidence? For us, this week brings a, a, about, you know, a lot of feelings and emotions. Uh, and uh, it's a rivalry game. And, you know, when you talk about it just a little bit, I mean, you, you, you try to give the history of the game uh, you know, to these guys a little bit, but you talk about, uh, you know, man, what it means, what it means to the state. I uh, mean, there's two teams, you know, like in this state, both playing the SEC. Uh, it, it, it divides the lines, uh, you know, in terms of families. You know, you've got Vanderbilt grads, you got Tennessee grads on both sides of those lines, and and just really trying to give those guys, man, who haven't who haven't really experienced the rivalry yet or understand, uh, you know, much about the rivalry, you know, some history and. Uh, we go out and practice, man. We're here in Rocky Top, you know, man, just to get these guys used to the to, to the song, the crowd noise, just trying to familiarize these guys with the, the atmosphere a little bit, with a little bit of crowd noise. And I I think it's about, you know, giving a little bit of a history lesson and then trying to project onto, uh, you know, like this football team, you know, what we have to do in this ball game, you know, been to play well and to give ourselves, you know, a chance for success on Saturday. The history of the robbery up until recently hasn't been very good for where do you feel like you, this, this program has been able to, to turn that here in the last few years? You know, it's it's a game that uh, that's a physical game. It's a tough game. Uh, you know, it's one of those games, again, where, you know, many emotions, uh, you know, really ride high. And uh, with that, man, you just got to stay in the middle. Uh, you you got to work hard to stay in the middle in this ball game because, um, you know, there, there there's going to be, you know, some talk, some banter, uh, you know, man, in the ball game, uh, man, you can't get you know caught up in your emotions. Man, you got to get caught up in the execution of the game. And you know, for us, man, we've just tried to stay in the middle. And you know, man, that's what we talk about. Man, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, man, we're gonna you know 
we look to play our best ball game on Saturday. I mean, we we played you know a couple of you know solid ball games uh, and a good ball game versus Missouri. But you know we got to play our best ball game on Saturday. That's the one we have. That's the one we end on. I think I remember you doing the play Rocky topic practice in the past. Did you start that in 2014 or somewhere along the way? I started it. I started it. I think in 2015 or 2016. You know, just just trying to create you know in the atmosphere of you know what you hear. Uh, like it, it, it's it's just part of it. I think guys need to focus on playing the game, not 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 on like fight songs, man, but just the crowd noise and the ability to communicate and focus, especially in a loud environment. Um, it, it it speaks to just just making sure you stay in the moment, do your job, and and make sure, man, that our communication, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you know, gets heard because uh, a team that doesn't communicate generally gets hit. So how about that, Shane? I think old Derek Mason. I think he's an old Rocky Top fan. <laughs> I play Rocky Top all week too, buddy. <laughs> that sounds like at least you guys got that in common, huh? Absolutely, that and hairline. So. Uh... <laughs> No, it's going to be a good game, Mike. This is another one. Um, you know, don't let that spread for you because these 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 type games, you know, all it takes is a little momentum uh, and, and, you know, maybe just a little, uh, just a, one or two mistakes. And next thing you know, you're playing from behind. So this is, that's what this week's all about. And I'm pumped up for this game, man. Well, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina, Shane, where Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday. And, of course, the Gamecocks, their season is going to end on Saturday, but at least it's at home. Uh, the fans will get one more opportunity to see this team, you know, see these seniors out the right way, uh, and they face in arguably the biggest challenge. I mean, hell, South Carolina's played an incredible schedule, but – this may be their toughest task yet. Yeah, banged up Gamecock team. Although it sounds like they're getting a lot of guys back this week coming off the bye. But they're facing Clemson. Obviously, Clemson's got all the hype. I mean, how damn sweet, though. I know a lot of those fans are out right now in Will Muschamp. And, you know, I can't blame them. I, I think mm-hmm. you give them another year, but I certainly don't blame them. But how damn sweet would it be, Shane, if you – here they come. If South Carolina wins this game. They're going to damn eliminate Clemson from the college football playoff. How sweet would that be? That would be fantastic. That'd be a dream come true, Mike. <laughs> Seriously. I, I mean, I, I'm a diehard Tennessee ball fan, but I'd go down there and celebrate with South Carolina if that were to happen just because I hate Clemson that bad. Mm-hmm. And we've already seen the Gamecocks do it. I mean, hell, no one, oh, yeah. no one had them picked to beat Georgia. No one. And they managed to do that, and they did it on the road. So, I don't know. I'm just not – and based on uh, what I've seen, you know, of Clemson and the teams they're playing, hell, this is going to be one of the toughest games they have to face. So, I know, you know, they won the championship last year. That's got nothing to do with this year. It's a different mm-hmm. team, different players. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, if South Carolina shows up ready to play smacks them in the damn mouth, they got some – Tough physical defenders, you know. Let's not kid ourselves. I think they could get into uh, Trevor Lawrence's head. You know, we—he's been shaky all damn season, from what I've seen. So, oh yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just—I'm feeling pretty confident here, as long as Will Muschamp's getting his guys up. And I know they've been losing a lot, but it's not because they're not showing up. It's a lot of it has to do with, uh, 
you know, inconsistencies and players missing the lineup. If the stars align once again like it did against Georgia, I'm not going to be shocked at all if South Carolina pulls the, st- the upset here. Dude, I hope so. I just I hate, I hate that Edwards is going to be missing this thing. Is Edwards out? Or is he – they're thinking he's going to play. He, I mean, he kind of act they've, like – They've upgraded his status, Shane. I know, but I don't know. Is he 100% or is this just, you know, is oh, this just not, coach he's talk? He's not going to be 100% if he plays, but, no, yeah. that's just the mantra of this, you know, this team and this you know leader, what? Shane. Yeah. I think they just show up and they're uh, – everything on the line wants to beat Clemson once in his career. It's not going to surprise me if Brian Edwards comes out here and has a good game. I hope so, ma'am. Dude, I hope so. I I hope I I hope South Carolina gets all healthy and just goes down there and just whoops up on Dabo. Uh, that would make my freaking weekend, man. It would absolutely. Uh, let me ask you before we get too too deep in this, Mike. Uh, you know this this rivalry week is different every year. It feels like like I think there's some games that mean a little bit more one year as opposed to the next. Mm-hmm. If you were to rank right now. The top five hated rivalries going into this week, just this week alone, not in the past, not the history, none of that jazz. Just five teams right now that absolutely hate each other for this particular week. Who you got? Well, I think at the top of the list, I know, like I said, it's not for the right to go to the SEC championship, but I still got to keep the Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn, number one. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then I got LSU, Texas A&M. Ooh, I'm going Egg Bowl, but okay. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a good one. I, LSU, Texas A&M, number two. Uh-huh. Number three, I think I'm going South Carolina Clemson. Okay. Number four, Egg Bowl. I think that's an outstanding choice. And then uh-huh. number five, ooh, I mean, this is a tough. People are going to be mad. I'm going to leave their school off here. But I still think... We're gonna to get to this one in a minute here, but the Florida Florida State rivalry I gotta that's gotta really? be a top five I think so. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I just think for this week I, I I'm I'm with you on a I think the Iron Bowl is tough. I mean especially with everything that's that's riding on this game, it's tough to to not include them there. I probably wouldn't have them at one though. I just think the Egg Bowl, the way it ended last year, I, I think the Ole Miss Mississippi State game is just gonna be freaking. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. Um, uh, number three, um, I th- I'm going with uh, Texas A&M, LSU. Just, again, from what happened last year, mm-hmm. listening to Coach O and everybody talk, I mean, there's going to be a lot of chirping in this game. May lead the nation in, in uh, 15-yard penalties this coming up week. <laughs> uh, South Carolina, Clemson. And I'm going to surprise you. Even though I want to put Tennessee, Vanderbilt, um, just the – just giving what Vanderbilt has been doing and Tennessee's been doing, I don't think it's going to be as violent. Don't I may be completely wrong, but I'm going to go Kentucky and Louisville at that five spot. You know, mm-hmm. uh, here hearing uh, uh, Lynn come out, not even want to say the L word. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's going to be. And like you said, we we left some off on this list, but that's the way I would rank it going into this weekend. Well, the thing that makes us week so awesome Shane is there is no wrong answer on this one I mean outside of uh, Arkansas Missouri it's not really a rivalry all the rest of these games man I Georgia Georgia Tech I mean those two damn hate each other too so 
I, yeah. I don't know. Every single one of these games, I'm just dying to see because you just don't know what's going to happen, what emotions are going to fly, and there's mm-hmm. going to be some upsets. I I guarantee it. There always are. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I, I'm just very excited for it. Yeah, me too. Sorry, I didn't want to get sidetracked, but I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, so back to Will Muschamp 10 minutes later here, Shane, but let's kick <laughs> it down to Coach talking about, uh, you know, the challenges of coaching in the same state as Clemson while they're riding high on uh, Brian Edwards' availability. Some of these guys, you know, the injured guys, how they're looking this week on last year's success against Clemson and how that translates to this year. And then finally on uh, potentially changing the narrative, what that would do for his program with a win on Saturday. <clears throat> well, our Feaster, Denson, or yeah. Trey, some of the guys that missed a and All practice today. All good to go. Brian and kind of trying to work his way back from the, the knee. Is he is he pushing for playing, pushing to be able to play? And what is that conversation like in terms of, you know, potentially that knee not being 100%, sure. that kind of stuff? I told him in 1988, Rodney Hampton had arthroscopic surgery on a Sunday night, and he played on Saturday. Been done before. You remember that, Josh? I know. I remember Rodney Hampton, but I don't remember his knee history. Yeah. Ole Miss game, I believe it was on a Saturday. Scoped Sunday night, played at Auburn on Saturday. Just a little trivia there for you. What What about just the outside noise for you, your family, the seniors on this team that they've had to deal with yeah. with this the last you know four years or so? Well, again, I mean that's 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 part of what a rivalry game's involved, and and it's it's generally uh, the the geographically close people to you. Uh, that you've got to deal with 365 days out of the year. And it's something you obviously hear. Uh, it's nothing that you like or want to become accustomed to. Uh, you got to continue to coach through it and play through it and recruit through it and develop through it and, and continue to work through it. And you can't let it uh, get frustrated. And you've got to just continue to, to work uh, through the situations to, to create the best situation you can for your football team. And that's what we've been trying to do. Secondly, how much have you guys offensively looked back at last year's tape against Clemson where you did some things out of the ordinary on offense? And since you've had two weeks to get ready, is it safe to assume we'll see some different things? Or do you think what you're doing now will be good enough to be successful? Well, obviously, in our last two performances, we haven't done enough to be successful. So there will be obviously some changes, I think, from, from a personnel standpoint, from a schematic standpoint. Um, when you have a little extra time, you are able to look at some different things. And, you know, Phil, I think you always go back and, and watch that tape, not, not necessarily from what you did, but how you were defensed. Uh, you know, you're always going back to see a coordinator and how he's done things against you before. Because obviously, if he took it into a game plan before, he thought it might be a good idea. So I think those are things that you always go back and study your opponent, not necessarily of what you've done, but maybe what, what you've seen, because that's what you're trying to prepare our players for. Is what are you going to see on game day? Uh, and then how are we going to block these runs and how are we going to protect here and uh, route concepts and such? At any time during the week, are you going to talk to your guys about if they win on Saturday, what that could do about changing the perception of the 2019 Gamecock team? Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's a – you know, what we're necessarily after, I think we're after the fact this is a great rivalry and we need to win the game. Uh, as far as how it affects our season, I'm not uh, totally – that's not something I'm going to focus on with our team. Uh, I'm going to focus on the fact that this is a great rivalry and we need to do a better job and we need to win the game. 
All right, Shane, so I liked that Muschamp, you know, didn't make it about himself, really, just kind of made it about the fact they have got to beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. They got to end this streak. Got us, you know, that's – if South Carolina's become an SEC contender, they have got to – I know Clemson is an elite program, ACC champions damn near every year because there's no one else to really test them. But South Carolina has got to punch this program in the mouth and show them they can – they can't basically what I'm saying is you can't be an SEC contender if you can't compete with the team in your state. You know what I mean? So it's got to start there for for must champion couple. For sure. For sure. Protect your borders, man. And um I, I you know, Clemson dethroning Clemson is big for a lot of schools, not just South Carolina, but you know, they're up there recruiting in Tennessee, they're down there recording recruiting in Georgia and Florida. I mean, it's just it's, it's not good for SEC when Clemson's up top. So how do we do that? We start with South Carolina, you know? All right, Shane, last thing before we move on. Will Muschamp asked about motivational speaks, speeches that he gives. I had to include this clip, Shane. This is an all-timer from Muschamp. And as a, an assistant, anytime you've been around, have you ever seen any kind of, you know, really out-to-lunch pregame speeches? I mean, you heard of the story about Eric Russell and the rattlesnake, I'm sure. But <laughs> anything like that ever go on during your career? No. If I pulled a rattlesnake out, we would have a problem. <laughs> there you have it, Shane. <laughs> they got damn rattlesnakes in the locker room. They got <laughs> issues there in Columbia. Oh, man. You know he'd wrestle a rattlesnake to win this game, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd pay to see it. <laughs> Forget them glasses. That's going to be a new game tradition is him bringing out a rattlesnake out of the bag like Jake the Snake, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I could see those. Uh, I mean, all the damn fans are going to be wearing, you know, fake snakes to the games if it happens. Oh, dude, I love it. I hope so. Man, this is a big one. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to Gainesville. where Dan Mullen met with the media here on Monday. And obviously, Florida riding high, Florida State, damn crashed and burned mm. after they fired old, or they hired old Willie, then they had to fire him. It didn't even make it two years. But how about this, Shane? This is a stunning stat where I guess I had seen this previously, but I'd forgotten all about it. Florida has not beaten Florida State at home, Shane, in 10 10- years what they is that have, true they have not beaten the seminoles in the swamp for, in 10 damn years shane that's got to end and i know you know it, it's so bizarre to say that because of where florida is right now under mullen and where florida state is right now i mean it seems like you know it feels like florida's beaten the hell out of florida state for five years but they've really only done it once so i don't know just thoughts on that shane and uh i mean the gators have a real opportunity here Everything that's going wrong in Tallahassee to just, you know, they beat the hell out of them last year, 41-14. I mean, this one could be even worse. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm pulling up the Winsipedia, man, because I did not know this. It, it, like you said, it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like Florida's had their number for a while. But for some reason, dude, I was completely wrong because you're right. In the last, what is that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, last nine games, they've won two of them. Yeah. Dude, Florida State has owned them. So it turns out Jimbo Fisher can coach a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, Jimbo, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I, I, this is two different teams, man. 
Florida, like I said, Florida's playing the best ball they've ever played. Uh, I, I think, you know, Dan, I mean, Dan put a whooping on them last year. Let's just talk about Dan, Florida, and not, uh, what's a Jim McElwain, mm-hmm. Florida. Well, that's you know, kind of my point, Shane, where the, the way this program is going, they got a chance to, like, flip the script. And it, it may be 10 damn years before Florida State beats Florida. Yeah. And I, but it's got to start here on Saturday. No, you're right. This this thing and the series has always been kind of streaky anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, come out here, do what you're supposed to, own the state. That's the that's the key, man. You know, this game always came down. I mean, it always felt like whoever which, whichever team won this game was the best team in Florida. You know, forget mm-hmm. Miami, forget these these other pop up teams down there at FAU or uh, <laughs> what's that central centralized Florida. You know. <laughs> This is what it's all about. This is for the state, and uh, it needs to be a better rivalry. But, you know, it's not going to be because I think Dan's going to have this ticket. I mean, unless Florida State just brings in a ringer down there, I think Dan's going to have it for a while. Yeah, and they all bring, you know, wherever this game is at, whether it's at Florida or at Florida State, I mean, they all bring the recruits in for this game. And, hell, they bring each other's recruits, Shane. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Gators are hosting Seminole guys and, and vice versa. So this this game means so much more than even on the field. I mean, it means so much for the atmosphere. It means so much for the future of the program, uh, recruiting, because it's so cutthroat down there. And I don't know if you saw this, Shane, but uh, Saturday they are unveiling – you know, they haven't done the building yet, but they have uh, essentially, you know, like the 3D renderings of the new football facility. They're yep. going to debut it in the stadium on the Jumbotron before the game. So they're, they're making an event out of it. And you know it's going to be a, you know, it's supposed to be a huge recruiting weekend for the Gators. So, you know, it's going to be all-encompassing. And it's the cherry on top if you go out there and beat damn Florida State fifty to nothing. You know what? I know this is this is huge, man. This is a this is a big event. And if you come out, you got the recruits, everybody's pumped up about your new facilities, and you put a, a fit like you said, a fifty put whoop fifty point whooping on Florida State, then it it's naturally you're gonna see your coach, you're gonna see the new facilities, you're gonna see your new team, and you're gonna say, you know what? Money well spent. You know, here's Florida State sending out flyers begging for money. And uh, you're sitting down here spending money and getting wins, and that's what that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it down to uh, Dan Mullen Shane, who talked about this uh, FSU streak and how they got to end it here on uh, this group of seniors that uh, you know, similar to Tennessee. I mean, these guys bought into the program. They've really got to, you know, the future of Florida football is thanks to a lot of these guys buying in playing their best football under Coach Mullen and what that's going to mean for years to come. So once again, we hope, you know, Florida fans come out in full support of these kids. They deserve it. Uh, And just uh, finally on what he sees a little bit different under Florida State interim coach Odell, I don't even know his last name. It's not not worth getting to know at this point. Yeah, it could be. Seems that way. Um, they've had some really good teams though through the, the, that that time frame, you know. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess you look back. I mean, I guess in that time frame, kind of Florida's been down a little bit, and they've had a couple of good teams. So I, I guess you can see why that happened. Dan, how important is it to to 
have an undefeated record in the swamp this year and how does that relate for example toward recruiting well i think one to be successful in, in the in the conference you got to have an un, you got to be able to win at home uh i think that off also has an awful lot to do with not just the team and how we play honestly it has a lot more to do with our fan base and, and the gator nation and how our student body and all the fans and everybody pack the stadium and create a home field advantage i i think there's that's one of the 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 the, the biggest things there are you know i the i've said it for years and years and years you want to win pack the stadium not we win and then you if we win you know the fans like hey if you win we'll show up it actually works the other way you show up and we'll win and um you know and if you look at how the the stadium has been this year the excitement the energy within the stadium for our home games has been awesome and as a result of that we we've won and hopefully the same thing continues we have an unbelievable environment on saturday night we have a packed stadium allowed makes it hard for the visiting team and because of that that helps carry us on to a victory and which you know i think our 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 fans would have as much to do with us going undefeated at home as the the players what's been different about florida state this couple games under haggins well, I, I think you're always going to have, you know, I don't know, a lot different, a little bit different, and a little bit different with scheme. Um, no, they won games before, too. Um, you know, I mean, they only have two games, one against, you know, I mean, not knocking an Alabama State, you know, or any of that stuff, but, you know, one, one against a, a, a Alabama State. So, um you know, I mean, what you try to do is find just what what is the different personality. How is what are they going to do differently? What's the scheme that's different? Are there different guys playing? Are they running a different rotation? That you know, normally this time of year you can go sit down and you. I'm sure everybody's got their tendencies and hey, this idea and that idea, and you know what they're going to do. And now they kind of head coach always is going to be influencing that. You know, the head coach is always going to have a little bit of influence on on with the personality of the team and how they're doing it and when you kind of remove that if you take me out um like if you just take me away from the team this week there's going to be a little different personality with the team i don't you know not a whole lot would change like with how i guess here how we run the program but um you know it, it would there, there would be a little different personality with it. Now, theirs is probably going to be a little bit more of a drastic personality because it's, you know, you've removed the head coach who's not coming back and everyone there trying to kind of, I don't want to say it's restrictions. It's just, hey, the head coach's influence that was there is removed. And so different, a little different personality can come out and how they call, how they game plan, how they scheme, who plays. And so that's what we got to be prepared for. All right, Chad, so Dan Mullen laid it out there. You know, all, all this means for his program in the future and, and thanking these seniors. I think it's just going to be a hell of a scene down there in Gainesville on Saturday. It's going to be, I don't know, I just think it's going to be great winning every home game. I mean, you just see the future is so bright in Gainesville. And uh, I, I think it's going to be kind of a culmination of events here for the Gators, if, particularly if they win big as expected. Absolutely. Maybe they'll move to the 10th spot, you know. <laughs> Jeez Louise. How many, winning, how, much, how many more winning games they got to have? So, uh, no, I, I, think, I think Florida, I mean, you gotta be, you got to be really happy with, uh, with the program. I think, I think there's part of you. A little sad, a little upset that we're, we didn't get more out of this year, but you know, 
I, there was some there were some unforeseen circumstances that happened, and there's some there's some games you'd probably like to have back. But I mean, just you're building, man. You're you're building. Your your team went two years in a row at ten wins. I mean, that's just dude. There's a lot of teams out there that kill for that right now. So uh, yeah, hang in there. That's basically think, basically unheard of in the SEC. Yeah, it really is. Um, so this is this is big, big for them, and uh, you know everybody's waiting for Florida to get back. Uh, I'll tell you, Tennessee fans aren't, but um, I, I'm telling you, they're they're right there. They're a couple of good recruiting classes from being back on top. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. So that's all I've got around the league. You got anything else before we hop off here? Oh, Mike, no, it's so damn late. You know. <laughs> I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting, but uh, I love y'all. I appreciate you taking time hanging out with us. Um, we got some good stuff coming up uh, this weekend for uh, Thanksgiving, and um, man, like I said, this is this is my favorite. This is Super Bowl week for us, and uh, soak it up, enjoy every last minute of it. Love your family, hate the rivalries. I mean, that's what this game's all. That's what this week's all about, Mark. Absolutely, Shane. So that's going to do it. And keep in mind, uh, we're going to have this episode hit on Wednesday morning. And then we're going to have our Picks podcast. That's going to debut on Thursday morning. No show on Friday. Give us a holiday off here. But uh, looking forward to making those picks. Looking forward to some of these games. It's going to be a hell of a weekend, that's for sure. Yes, sir. That's going to do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.